0: Matthew chapter 13. So, uh, in 1994, this movie came out. I know that many of you, if not none of you, were born. So, awesome. I'm officially one of those people. Uh, 1994, this movie came out. But you're probably familiar with it. It was uh, about this guy. His name was Forrest. What was his last name? Yeah, all right. Thank God you knew that. Man, that would have been so awkward. Like, I don't know, you old man. It's called this movie it's came out it's forrest gump and there's this really famous line in that movie it's this it's life is like a what yeah yeah you got it some of you got it anyway there's this line in this movie and it says life is like a box of chocolates you never know what you're gonna get there's also another line in that movie where forrest is speaking of his uh his, this girl that he loves a lot of her name is Jenny. He doesn't say Jenny. He says Jene. Yes, and he says, "Me and Jenny, we go together like peas and carrots." Which for some of you, if you are like peas and carrots don't go together, that's gross. For him, it did. <clears throat> but I say that to say this that uh those are sayings that tell of a different reality, right? Like, like life is not literally a box of chocolates. I hope you know that. Like. Life is not literally a box of chocolates. The relationship between Forrest and Jenny is not literally peas and carrots. It's a a simple way to explain a complex reality. Life, this big complex reality, is made up of all kinds of things. According to Forrest Gump, it's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. So it it is this this simple way to explain this complex reality that life is unpredictable. You never know what's going to happen. And I say all that to say this. We're going to enter into this series over the next few weeks where we see Jesus teach in a way that's like that. We're going to enter into this series called The Parables. And in the parables, you're going to see Jesus teaching this way that he uses he uses simple terms and simple pictures to describe and point to a complex reality. He brings some, some familiar terms to people, things that they're going to recognize, to describe something that's unfamiliar, to describe something that's foreign, to describe something that's really complex. And that matters for us because we're the people of Jesus. It matters for us. If if you're in here and you claim to be Christian, this matters for you. Because as Jesus speaks the parables, he's speaking about the kingdom of God. And so as people who follow the king, we ought to want to know how to live in the kingdom of God. And that's exactly what Jesus is going to do. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to look at some of those parables. But first, I think it might be necessary to answer this question. Why is it that Jesus speaks in parables? Why does Jesus choose as this rabbi in the first century to speak to the people in parables? And it's great by God's grace that that question gets answered in Matthew chapter 13. So Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to start in verse 10. I'll read through verse 17. So follow along with me as we read. It's going to be on the screen. It's in your lap. Follow along with me. Matthew chapter 13, 10 through 17. Then the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? It's a good question. We're asking that. And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart's heart has grown dull, and their ears they can and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So we're answering this question why is it that Jesus speaks or teaches in parables maybe we should set up what's been going on up until this point so jesus comes on the scene right the the first few chapters of matthew are telling of jesus's arrival and his birth and then matthew chapter 4 it's the start of jesus's ministry in matthew chapter 4 verse 17 it's this it says this from the time jesus began to preach saying Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so we may not know everything about everything, but what we do know is whatever Jesus is about, he's about the kingdom of heaven. He says the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so whatever his goal is, whether we realize it fully, he's at least after this thing called the kingdom of heaven. So that should matter to us. And so he goes on into Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 and preaches this thing called the Sermon on the Mount. Probably, if not the greatest sermon recorded in the scriptures, right? The greatest sermon ever. And he preaches this about what is it like for people to live in the kingdom? It seems that Jesus cares a lot about this thing called the kingdom. And then it goes into Matthew chapter 8 and Matthew chapter 9. And Jesus is healing folks all over the place. All kinds of problems, all kinds of sicknesses, illnesses, whatever it is. Jesus is taking care of it. He is healing, showing everybody that is witnessing it. I'm the king. I'm the Messiah. I'm the promised one. I am God. And it goes on, and Jesus' ministry grows and grows and grows. So you can imagine, by the time that we get to Matthew chapter 13, there is a significant crowd around Jesus. It's not like just his ragtag 12 dudes. There's a bunch of folks following Jesus. So much so that we get in Matthew chapter 13. Look down at verse 1. Matthew 13 verse 1. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Verse 2 and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach. So what has happened? Jesus comes around and it's not just his 12 because if it was just his 12, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But he comes out and he starts teaching and there's a whole lot of folks. He's like, man, this is a lot of people. I can't stand here. So he gets in a boat and rows out into the sea to get away from them to get some separation because they're like pressing in on them. They're like, heal us, do some cool stuff, Jesus. And he's like, you guys are a lot. I need a break. And so he backs out into the sea and this is what happens. Look at verse three, 13 verse 3 and he told them many things in parables and jesus starts to speak to them in parables and time after time after time jesus the rabbi speaks to the people the crowd in parables so much so that his disciples after hearing him teach in parables they come up to him and they're like hey hey jesus why are you telling them parables i mean what are we talking about when we say parables it's this it's it's these, it's these stories that Jesus tells. These stories that grab some kind of familiar term or familiar reality for the people that are hearing it. But he's trying to communicate something that's really complex. He's trying to com- communicate something that's really complex, but he uses simple terms and simple pictures and simple realities to help them understand. But the disciples are confused. They're asking, why Why is it that you are teaching in parables? And I'm glad they asked because I'm asking the same Question. So there's two reasons why we find from Matthew chapter 13 that Jesus speaks in parables. The first reason is this. To reveal. To reveal. And specifically Jesus teaches in parables to reveal who is following him and who is not. Jesus teaches in parables to reveal who is really following him and who is not. Look at verse 11. The disciples ask that question and Jesus begins to answer in verse 11. And he answered them. To you, disciples, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Check this out in verse 13. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says you will indeed hear but never understand you will indeed see but never perceive. What has just happened? Jesus tells them, "You know why I speak to them in parables? You know why I'm teaching in parables? Because I'm trying to reveal who's really after me and who's really not." Because you see there's a whole lot of people here disciples. And I'm going to teach them in this thing called a parable and some and, and, and it's going to be a little confusing. So much so that people are going to be like, "What is he talking about?" And if you're really after Jesus, You press toward him and you say, hey, I don't understand everything about everything, but I want to know more of that. Because if this has to do with you and you're the king and that's about the kingdom, I want to know. But often people heard Jesus teach and they heard these parables. And then they say, oh, cool, great. We'll just keep following you. They ended up getting frustrated. And when they got frustrated, they got angry. When they got angry, they bailed. Because they said, I don't think this is what we signed up for. Jesus, we came for a show. And what you're teaching is a lot harder than that. We came to see you do some some cool tricks, Jesus. We came for your stuff, Jesus. We came for you to make our life easier, Jesus. And if you're going to teach us in these ways that are confusing, that's going to make me work hard, that's going to make me come after you, honestly, Jesus, I don't have time for that. And so Jesus is using this as a teaching tool to say, if you're really after me, you'll keep coming. And that's true for disciples. That when disciples hear the parables, all throughout the Gospels, though they're confused, they move toward Jesus. They say, hey, I don't get it. I don't get all of it. But I want to. And so I'm going to keep coming. And I'm going to keep pursuing. And I'm going to believe that as I keep following Christ and as I keep coming and abiding and listening and being near him, that he reveals these things to me. And that should be enormously comforting for us. Because if you're in here and you're a Christian, I'll just speak for me. There are times currently that I read the Bible and I don't get it. I have opened the Bible, read the Bible, and I don't get it. And if you're like, but you're a pastor, that's okay. Like, sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes the things of God are extremely hard to understand. Why? Why didn't God just make it easy? Some of them he did. Some of the things about God are glaringly obvious, and yet other things require us to press in. Because you know when things are hard and we draw near, God draws us into himself. And that's a good place to be. The Bible makes it clear that, that God's nearness is our good. I want to be near to God. And so if you're here and you've opened the Bible and you're like, look, I don't, I don't get all this. Like, I feel dumb because I've opened the Bible before and I've read it, and I'm like, I don't get this. You shouldn't feel dumb. You should feel like a disciple. Because disciples heard Jesus teach and they're like, what? What? I thought this is a really hard saying. Who can follow that? They don't get it all. But you know what they don't do? They don't say, man, if it's going to be this hard, then forget it. They say, look, this is hard, but you're worth it. You're worth it. I want to keep coming. And I'm going to keep fighting and I'm going to keep pressing in and I'm going to keep showing up. And Jesus, I'm going to keep asking questions and I'm going to keep showing up and I'm going to keep opening the scriptures and saying, what does this mean? Jesus, what is this about? I'm after you. You're the prize. I want to know. But Jesus teaches in parables to reveal who's really after me and who's not. Who's just here for the show? Who's just here? Not for me, but for my stuff. The parables are to reveal who's really following, who's really not. The second reason, Jesus uses parables to teach people. Jesus uses parables to teach people. Specifically, Jesus uses parables to teach people truth about the kingdom of heaven. You'll see that statement in specifically in the book of Matthew over and over again, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven. Jesus uses parables all throughout the gospels to teach the people that are listening about the kingdom of heaven. What about the kingdom of heaven? Specifically, what the kingdom is like. What is this kingdom like? What the king is like? What is the king that is in that kingdom? What is he like? And even more than that, how are the people that live in that kingdom supposed to live while they're there? That's what these parables are for. Truths about the kingdom of heaven, what the kingdom's like, what the king is like, and how we ought to live inside of that kingdom. So Jesus uses parables to teach these realities. And you'll see 11 times in the book of Matthew, Jesus will teach a parable and it says this statement when he starts to teach the parable The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure the kingdom of heaven is like and he uses parables to describe this is what the kingdom of heaven is like and he'll go on and he'll he'll tell other parables to tell what the king is like there's this parable in luke chapter 15 about the parable of the lost coin the lost sheep and the lost son you more famously know it as the prodigal son and we'll get to it later in this series but it's this unbelievably beautiful picture This kid that comes up to his dad. He's like, dad, I'm tired of living here. Give me my inheritance. I'm out. Which is extremely offensive in that day. So dad actually gives him the inheritance. The kid goes off, lives on his own and blows all of the money. Blows it on prostitution. Blows it on all kinds of horrific things. Story fast forwards and we see that he is now out of money and sleeping and eating with pigs. Literal pigs. That's a problem. And in his desperate state, he has this thought in his brain. I would love to go back to my house. Maybe my dad will let me be a servant. So he gets up the courage to finally turn his mind and his body toward home and takes off toward home. Maybe dad will let me be a servant. And he gets close to home and dad sees him from afar, a long way off. And dad begins to run to his son, embraces his son puts a cloak and a ring on the kid's finger and throws a party for the kid because he said this, my son was dead and now he's alive. And you know what we learn from Luke chapter 15? That our king is forgiving. That our king is loving. That our king is gracious. That our king welcomes us in even when we blow it. Because these parables are to show us what the king is like. Not just what the kingdom is like, but what the king is like. And even more, they're they're meant to show us how should people live in that kingdom? How should people who say they follow that king, how should they live in that kingdom? And you see parables like the unforgiving servant. And you see parables like the parable of the talents. They describe people that are describing characteristics of people that should live in the kingdom. You should live in a way that's forgiving. You should live in a way that is faithful to, to steward the stuff that you have. Well, why? Because that's how people who live in the kingdom live. And Jesus teaches in these parables to teach us what the kingdom's like, what the king is like, and how we ought to live in that kingdom. Just like he's doing here. And he says to his disciples in verse 11. To you, it's been given the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it hasn't. Why? Why do you get, why do you, why do they get to see it and they don't? Jesus' disciples get to see the secrets of the kingdom of heaven because they're actually following Jesus. And it's only in following Jesus that we get to see the kingdom. The people that are listening, they don't get to see the secrets of the kingdom of heaven because they're not really following Jesus. They're just after his stuff. They just want to show. So much so that Jesus applies this prophecy from Isaiah 9 to him. He says, you know what? Like this this whole crowd, like it's cool that we're big and everything. Like we've got a pretty cool following. Like if there was Instagram and Twitter, Jesus would have a a ton of followers at that point. It's really cool. But he says to those people that are following him, there's a lot of people here that hearing they don't really hear and seeing they don't really see. Well, how does that make sense? Like they're actually seeing Jesus. They're actually hearing Jesus. But it's more than that. It's that they might be hearing his words physically. They might be hear, they might be seeing what he is doing physically. Yes, fine. But they certainly don't understand. They certainly don't comprehend. For all they know, it's just a Jewish guy doing some cool tricks. We want to keep following him because that's pretty neat. Who else does this in Israel? But they can't really see what's going on. They can't really see the deeper, the bigger picture, the picture that's about the kingdom, the the things that are actually about the kingdom. Why can't they see it? Because they're not actually following Jesus. And the only way that we are, the only way that we have eyes to see and ears to hear is in following Jesus. Is they're hearing it but they don't really get it. They're seeing it, but they don't really see it because if they hear, if they, he goes on, he finishes that, that prophecy because if they really heard, if they really, if they really saw, if they really understood with their hearts, they turn to me and I'd heal them, but they won't because they don't get it because they're just here for a show. And now for many of us, maybe you're asking the question, that's real great. Kate, but what does that have to do with me? What does Jesus teaching in parables have to do with me? Well, here's number one. That as we go through this series and as we go through the few parables that we're going to go through. It should function to reveal where our allegiance lies. As we teach the parables, the parables should work on us just like they worked on the people that heard them in the first century. They should reveal who's really following Jesus and who's not. They should reveal who's really following Christ and wants Jesus and who's just after his stuff. And maybe you ask yourself the question. Is my Christianity more about gaining Christ? Or is it more about fitting into a group? Or doing what my parents told me? Or I was scared of hell when I was three and I don't know what else to do. Listen. Christianity is about the person of Christ. And if you have thought in your mind. I'm not really focused on Christ. In fact, it's not that big of a deal. I I don't really care about like Jesus is whatever to me. If you're apathetic about Jesus, you need to ask yourself a different question. Do I actually believe Jesus? Do I actually follow Jesus? Because the apathetic people about Jesus that were apathetic towards Jesus, they were just kind of on the fence like Jesus is whatever. Those are the people that heard the parables that Jesus told and left. Because they're like, this is too hard. This is too complex. If you're really after that, like you're telling me to deny myself, forget all that, man. But the people who are really after Jesus, the people who say things like Paul says in Philippians chapter three, verse seven, check this out. This is unreal to me. But whatever gain I had, and Paul had a lot of gain, by the way. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Do you hear Paul? Paul says, I don't care if I lose everything as long as I get Jesus. Jesus is what I'm after. I will willingly lose everything. I'll count it garbage because Jesus is so much better than all of that. And you see these people that are hearing the parables that aren't really after Jesus, they don't believe that. They don't believe that Jesus is actually better than his stuff. They don't believe that Jesus is actually better than their money. They don't believe that Jesus is actually better than their easy life. They don't. And so when Jesus presses on them and tells them a, tells them a truth that's really hard, they bail. But, but when disciples hear the hard truth, they say, look, we're willing to go into that. It will be hard. Let's be honest. It's going to be hard, Jesus. But you're so much better. You're worth it. So when we hear these parables, if you think in your mind, listen, listen, that's real hard, Jesus. That's a whole lot, Jesus. But I want you that's revealing something about your heart. That you're really really after Jesus. You're really a follower of Jesus. And these parables ought to reveal those things in us. To examine our hearts. Because if you're in here and Jesus is just whatever to you, I I would beg you. I would beg you to reconsider, to go on some kind of journey by reading the scriptures and say, who is Jesus really? What did Jesus really do? Because if he really did live the perfect life that you and I couldn't, die the death that you were supposed to die, that I was supposed to die, and beat death. If Jesus really did that, he's worthy of following and giving our life for forever, forever. There's no on the fence for that guy. That guy's God. We should follow him. The second thing of why it matters for us is, is because we, if we're Christians, we should care about the kingdom, and parables are about the kingdom. They're about what the kingdom is like, what the king is like, and how we ought to live inside of that kingdom. And so if you're in here, if you're in here and you're saying, yeah, I'm a Christian, I would would tell you to your face, I would raise my hand and say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus, I am a Christian. Then we should be people who care about the kingdom. Why? Because Paul says this in Philippians chapter 3. But our citizenship, meaning Christians, our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what Paul says. When you become Christian, a Christian, when you, when you trust in Christ and say, there's no other way for me to be with God than through faith in Jesus' death and resurrection. When you become a Christian, what, you, what happens to you is you become a citizen of the kingdom of God. Like you're a citizen of Lake City or a citizen of Friendswood or a citizen of Pearland or wherever it is that you live. You become a citizen of the kingdom of God. Instantly. And the question should come to your mind, okay, if I'm a citizen of that kingdom, what's that kingdom like? It's a good question. If I'm a citizen of that kingdom, what's that king like? That's a good question. If I'm a citizen of that kingdom, how should I live inside of that kingdom? That's a real good question that Jesus is going to answer over and over again as he tells us these parables. Because we live there right now. And we only know it in part right now. I know that. Like Jesus' kingdom is not fully established here. If it was, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus is Lord. But that day hasn't happened yet. One day, Jesus is going to rip open the skies, come in on a horse. It's going to be real awesome. And everybody will recognize that guy's the king. The king is here. Everybody will be with him. Everybody's going to bow and honor him as king. But in the meantime, that kingdom is being realized more and more every day. That's why he says it's like a mustard seed. Ever seen a mustard seed? They're not big. They're real small. So it's going to start small, but it's going to grow. And it's going to be the biggest thing you've ever seen. So though it's not full, it's not fully realized yet, we are in the kingdom. We are in it. And we will be in it. So we should we should we should care about the kingdom. We should care about what the king is like and what it's like to live there and how we should live there. Because really, really, this is more about the glory of God than it is about anything else. This is about honoring God with our life. This is about understanding the king gave his life for us. So we ought to give our life for him. Not sacrificing our life like in death, but willing to say, I will lose anything for you because you're better. You're better. So what I'm, what I'm inviting you into over the next few weeks is if you're a Christian, to get some answers to those questions. What's the kingdom like? What's the king like? How do I live in the kingdom? I want to answer those questions. And if you're in here and you're thinking, I don't, I don't, I don't care about Christianity. I think it's bogus. I've got some questions. I think Jesus is whatever. You've got some pushbacks. Hey, I, I'm, I'm so glad you showed up, and I want you to keep showing up. Because I hope that as Jesus speaks the words about what the kingdom is like, what the king is like, and how we ought to live in the kingdom, that you would be drawn in. And that God would give you ears to hear and eyes to see. And then what would happen is what happens in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 through 14. It says this, he, that's Jesus, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I want you to be in that kingdom so bad.